Marco Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, your podcast for IT business support. If you are supporting a network of any size as a solo tech managed service provider, computer repair shop, any sort of IT professional, this is your podcast. Welcome. Tonight is a live show, and I've got nothing planned, folks. Uh, it has been a week. It has been a day. I did not have a guest schedule because it is the last week of the month. And I told you guys a while back that I had made some plans that I was going to try to leave a night open where we could kind of just hang out and chat. I thought about doing it as a private Zoom session and um, haven't got around to setting that up yet. So I'm going to do something tonight that I don't think... I have ever done in this podcast. I am going to open it up as if it were a live call-in radio show, which means that I'm going to be looking to those of you that are watching live and in the chat. You can ask me questions. You can comment. You can give suggestions for the show, and I'm going to let you lead it. Uh, I do have some stuff, of course, that I can rant about, but... I'm going to try to enhance my calm and go with the flow and do something a little bit better. So tonight is going to be all about you, the listening audience, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Now, I do have a adult beverage that I will be sharing. Well, I won't be sharing. I will be uh, enjoying while we're watching the show this I don't know if this is the last summer ale that I have, but when I went to the fridge, it was the last one there. We usually get a case of these, and I wonder if the wife has hidden them somewhere. But um, if it is the last summer ale, I'm going to enjoy it immensely. If it is not the last summer ale, then you will see it on a future show. So let us do this while I kind of gather my thoughts here. Let me first start by telling you, if you are watching live and you decide that you would like to join in the conversation and you don't want to just throw something in the chat, which the chat is live on both Facebook and the YouTube, or is it YouTube and the Facebook? I don't know. Depending on how much money Metaverse is losing, we'll see which one comes out on top. If you go to itbusinesspodcast.com slash live, That will bring you into the green room here on the show. And if I recognize you and if I think you will bring good content, I will let you onto the show and we can chat. You can ask a question. Uh, We'll do whatever you want there. If I don't recognize you and you're trying to bum rush me, I'll just kick you out of the studio. And that's, that's how we'll go there. Now, just so you know, folks, if you think that this is the link that anytime we have a show that you can come and bum rush the studio, That is not going to happen. This link is only going to work for this show tonight. If you go to it at any other time, you're going to end up somewhere else on the internet and you're not going to end up in the IT business podcast. So this link, it's a universal link and it will change over time, but it will not be coming to this show tonight. If you are watching this after the fact or even listening at say two in the morning or something like that. You're going to go nowhere, but I encourage you to join nonetheless. So that is the link for you to join. 
And what I also want to do is thank the sponsor of this uh, thank the sponsors of this show. So we're going to do that right now, and I will be right back. You're listening to the IT Business Podcast, the podcast for every IT professional. IT Business Podcast is presented by NetAlly, the number one ally of network professionals everywhere. Live stream funded by Computers Done Right. And thank you to our partners, Tom Bull, Kyle Kenyon, Clark Stockdale, and Synchro. All right. Thank you to our sponsors. And if anybody from Synchro is watching this video, you will see that I spelled your name right correctly this week. So thank you for paying attention and check it up on me. So let's do this. I am I am going to start with a segment that some of you love, some of you don't, but we are going to go in the news. So I'm going to start with our favorite topic ever in the show. And when I was starting to prepare this afternoon, I thought, you know, it has been a day. Um, I just, I'm not going to be happy and I didn't want to do an angry tea night, but I thought, let me at least go to the uh, the uh, news reel and type in our favorite phrase, Florida man, and let's see what stories are trending tonight. So, so far, we have the Florida man shaping U.S. foreign policy, Florida man arrested Saturday night. Florida man poisoned co-workers Pepsi with bleach. Let me dig into that and see what that one's about because that one's a little interesting. That happened in Volusia County. A central Florida man was arrested after he allegedly was caught on camera poisoning a co-worker's Pepsi with bleach. They responded to a 911 call from a Dollar General. <laughs> of course. A Dollar General store in Volusia County on Monday night. A worker told the deputies that he got into an argument with Jerome Ellis, age 48, and then went to use the restroom. When he returned, the victim said he took a sip from his Pepsi and said he believed, quote, the Pepsi had bleach or cleaning supplies poured into it by the taste and smell it projected. He called 911 and then told his manager who put the Pepsi in a back room for safekeeping. So that was a joy there. Uh, let's see what else is trending here on uh, Florida Man. Uh, Florida Man wins $5 million scratch off. Florida Man arrested in shooting at Georgia Bar. Florida Man was bitten by alligator while trying to remove reptile. Let's dig into that story and see what it says here. Um, yes, yeah, so this happened. Oh, look, today, October 26. So, Charlotte City, Florida, a Florida man took matters into his own hands. When an alligator showed up in front of his home, the man tried to pick up the alligator after it crawled towards some homes in Charlotte City, which is just north of Fort Myers, John Dubinsky. Neighbors said the gator got angry <laughs> and grabbed the man by the arm. The gator was eventually let go and relocated by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. So, uh, oh my goodness gracious. Oh, look. An eight-foot alligator attacks a 77-year-old woman in a gated Florida community. It just goes on and on and on. Wow. 
So, okay. So that puts me in a much better mood. Florida man stories here. Uh, let's go into some tech news. So I got an email from Splashtop. So Splashtop, as many of you know, I had them on the show uh, about a month ago. Um, I had Justin on who was very enthusiastic about Splashtop and where it is going as they make their way into the MSP world and start to make their product available to us as service providers. So that has been pretty good. Uh, I'm actually trialing uh, Splashtop, and I don't know if I can explain the type of trial that I'm doing, except that I'm trialing the business so the business splash top, which is something that you can set up remote access for your end users. And then I'm trialing the SOS, which is their uh, remote support module so that if you, you know, didn't want to have a full RMM or if you needed a one-off uh, remote access product for customers that aren't under your dashboard or something, that's what you would do. And I actually set up a link on my website when people click support remote support, that's where they go. They go to a splash splash top portal, give me the number, and that's how we're getting in. So I'm trialing them uh, to see how they are. I was trialing, well, I wasn't trialing, I was actually paying for Screen Connect, which is my uh, one-off that I was using. And you may be asking, Marv, I thought you were uh, an enable SolarWinds shop. Yes, I am. And when I went to go look at their take control product, to use as a standalone, something happened where it either didn't install properly or I couldn't get the price. I don't remember what it was, but I knew that I remember that it was basically a hassle. And if you know me, you'll know that if it's too much of a hassle, I'm not going to do it. So not to say that take control was bad. I actually like it built into the RMM product that I have, but as a standalone, I wasn't able to do that screen connect at the time was easiest. But now that Splashtop is on the scene, they've, they have offered me a pretty nice trial. So I am using that uh, for a few months and we'll see how that goes. But so they have been, they've actually been sending me their press releases. So I feel like, you know, I'm pretty much a, you know, a news guy, you know, with the IT business podcast. So I'll be breaking news from time to time. And today's news is that, a splash top survey finds that 84% of university students want remote access to computer labs and a hybrid approach to learning. So this was done and released today. Uh, today's students have come to expect flexibility when it comes to learning, according to the latest survey from Splashtop, a leader in secure remote access and support software. So Splashtop surveyed more than 1,000 higher educated students throughout the U.S. and the U.K. to better understand their remote learning and technology preferences. Results indicate that 84% of university students believe remote access to computer labs is important to their education and could improve their performance. I'm going to skip. Um, this is a pretty lengthy press release but I'm going to skip and just do a couple of things that I noted. So it's pretty interesting that, you know, of course we know that bring your own devices is basically the norm now in schools, not just in universities, but 
you know, high schools, middle schools. I, I, I don't know how many elementary schools have started this, but I know that a lot of the schools here in Florida, uh, middle school students are expected to have either a tablet or a notebook to take to class with them. So that is pretty interesting. Uh, there was a note in here where it said, overwhelmingly, students expect the university to provide the IT support that they need. Uh, more than 90% of students surveyed said that they expect their university to provide them technical support when they experience issues. And I just want to note that because I think that is something that is happening to us as well in our corporate businesses, the clients that we support, that if a user is working from home, they expect us to provide them tech support for their home device, which I'll be honest, doesn't work if they're not going to pay. And that's usually the debate that I have. I don't know what some of you guys are doing, but our tech support does not extend beyond the corporate network. In fact, I have a couple of clients that don't even want us to touch a home device when they're trying to remotely connect, which makes products like TrueGrid uh, something that is very easy to support because there's nothing technically that we need to do. We just simply send them to the web page. We make sure that their account is all set up. They log in. They they do all of that. And if they can't do it, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, they've got to reset their password with TrueGrid. We can provide some TrueGrid support, but worst case scenarios, we send them to TrueGrid. So there's not much that we have to do on that end. For clients that are still using, I guess you would call it the old VPN style. So on our SonicWall clients, we have some that are using the global VPN software. So we do have to touch workstations to install the software locally. So whether it's a home laptop or home computer, we do have to do some sort of remote connection to get that software installed. There is a secret uh, passphrase for the VPN that we don't allow for them to see. So we have to install that. There are cases where we'll send them the global VPN client software, let them do the installation. And then when it comes to the passphrase, we remote in just long enough to type in that passphrase and then we get out and let them finish. But in, in most of the instances, the businesses are, they're paying for us to put our management software on those home computers and for the simple fact of we need to make sure that they're virus-free and that they are not um, going to malicious sites and and have a chance of you know getting ransomware or something like that. So they do pay for us to have our management software on those home computers. And that way, if they do need re, uh, remote support, we're available to help them. So as long as a customer is willing to pay for that, um, we'll do that. The only thing that we have not run into, which I did run into years ago, is when people had issues at home and you know they said, well, can't somebody come and check out our, our home internet? It was a 50-50 toss-up whether the business would pay for it or they would say, nope, if it's your home, you pay for it. So those are the types of things that... Uh, so I just found that that article interesting that the, the numbers were that high that students, you know, I mean, I guess we should we shouldn't be surprised that, you know, students are going to expect that much remote support. 
it's it's bleeding into our work uh, our work life here. So, all right, let me take a quick look in the chat here, um, Patrick. I don't know what this means. I will tank Uncle Marv's type of IT sale for two hundred. So, um, I guess that's the um, the game show aspect of doing the show where who knows what's going to happen. Uh, hello, Miss Giles. Hello, Mister Foreman. Um, oh, Chris Webb here. So everyone talks about Sonic Wall, Fortinet, and WatchGuard. What does everyone in the IT field? Oh, why does everyone in the IT field think you're nuts for using Zizel? Uh, is there something I should know about and don't? So I can only answer a little bit to that. So I have a buddy of mine here that I've partnered with a couple of times, and he used to rave about Zizel. And I, at the time, you know, SonicWall was it. I think at the time I was using Netgear switches. And I did look to Sizel for a couple of solutions. And I got the product. And I I liked it, but I didn't like it. The interface of the Zizel was kind of wonky. And, I mean, we could say that about anything because once you get used to a UI, you know, you're kind of calling all the other UIs nuts if you don't understand them. So I don't know that that's a fair thing to say about Zizel, but I don't know, you know, if there's anything bad to say about them. I just know that they are not considered in that top tier when it comes to uh, networking products. Now, I think a lot of that just simply has to do with they are kind of a mid-range brand, um, and, you know, I would put them, I guess, on the same same level as a Netgear, I guess. Netgear, they, they're up and down for me. Sometimes their products are, you know, enterprise level ready, in my opinion, and other times they're just kind of, yeah, the SMB. Uh, I know that, you know, I'm using Ingenious right now, and I really don't know where Ingenious fits on the scale. You know, they're not an HP you know, when people talk about switches, you know, HP is up there. But I know that a lot of the community that, you know, we are involved with, a lot of you are using Ubiquity. And I'll be honest, I I can't get my, my head around Ubiquity. Um, I just, there's something about it. I don't know what it is. And that's not to say Ubiquity is bad. The times that I've looked at it, it just hasn't been for me. So I think it's just a matter of preference. And I think... Um, what you might be thinking of, Chris, is that some people – I know that the there's a Fortinet snobbiness that I think happens. And, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I might offend somebody. But, hey, here's the thing. If you're listening to this show, I'm going to offend somebody at some point in time, probably every show. But, yeah, so th- there was a time when I was looking at Fortinet and I got kind of a little uh, – a snobbiness attitude back where, well, I mean, we'd go to, you know – SonicWall, we always have issues, but, you know, went to Fortinet and all the issues went away. And that may be true, but I don't know what I what I really think about that. So to answer your question about the Zizel, uh, I don't know that there's necessarily anything that you should know that you don't, but that's my experience. Um, looks like Matt responded here. I haven't looked at them in years. Do you consider them a full UTM firewall? Now, I can't answer that as well. I've never looked at Zizel as an actual firewall device. I only looked at them at switches. So that's uh, all I can say about that. I'll probably say the same thing about them 
Well, actually, no. I can probably say more. So I just sent back um, two units. And as many of you know, uh, we had uh, up-level systems has been on the show for the last couple of years. And I've gone through a couple of units trying to demo those. And the first one I sent back after, I think, two weeks. And it was just something where it just... It just didn't fit for me. So I consider Uplevel and Calyptics probably the two products that are, if you are starting out as an MSP early on and you have not committed to a product and you're looking for an MSP-friendly appliance and package and offering, uh, I would say those are some good choices. They they are not in the same level as a SonicWall or Fortinet um, or WatchGuard, they're they're just not. Uh, but they are good, in my opinion, for those smaller businesses. And I would say, you know, I, I'm going to say ten users or less. But I know that there are people using them in, you know, businesses with a lot larger numbers. But in, from what I looked at in using it, they are really good. If you just want to put something in, firewall as a service. And know that it's going to be supported remotely. Uh, the the cloud options that are in it are manageable by both you and the providers at Uplevel and Calyptics. They update their stuff on a regular basis. And I don't want to say that they're foolproof or idiot-proof, but there's not a lot of features that you're going to be able to dig deep into and change on your own. And that was one of the things that I told the up-level folks when I returned my units is they're good, solid units from what I can tell. But the things that I like to do on a granular level, I couldn't do. You know, I couldn't do my own changes to the WAN IP addresses for, you know, remote access or any, any sort of changes or natting and stuff like that. And that was frustrating for me that I would have to create a ticket to make those types of changes that I've been used to doing, you know, for 20 plus years on my own. I, I don't feel that I need to call support to do those types of changes. There were some other things that could not be done and I don't have the list in front of me or else I'd go over it, but uh, I hope to be talking with them again and maybe get them back on the show and talk about it. But again, I think what has happened with those products from my perspective is I've, I've just been doing this so long that going to those products is a step back for me. Not that it's a step back in quality, but a, a step back in configuration and a step back in the things that I am comfortable doing, giving up that control and depending on a vendor that much. But if you are starting out and you have not committed to a firewall vendor and you are only dealing with small clients and you don't have to worry about you know, remote access or DNS filtering or a lot of that stuff. If that's built into your, you know, your RMM or your cloud and, you know, there's just not much to do on-prem, those are probably good solutions. I did like the up-level uh, little appliance box that they called their work-from-home gateway. That thing, you know, and, and again, I'll have to get them on the show because I don't even have a picture of the one that I got. I actually did use it in my house and I used it for a couple of months. I won't, it's not something like they gave me two weeks to try it. They, they let me have it for several months and I set it up 
it literally was plugging into the modem. They had a wireless access point that you plugged in, and it was just configured and ready to go. The VPN, had I had the up-level appliance in my office, it would have had a direct VPN connection already set and ready to go. But I had the sonic wall, and from the last time I had up-level in there, I just I wasn't going to remove the sonic wall again for the up-level. So there is some configuration uh, stuff that is already set so that if you have a sonic wall or similar appliance that they can just send you stuff or do it, and it's boom, just a quick VPN connection. And it worked. It was clean. It was good. It was solid. And I, I did like that. So that's where we are with that. And I see the chat is the chat is a buzz tonight. So uh, let's see here. Uh, Chris responds. I'm assuming this is in response to the Zyzel. They have a UTM and they are really pushing what they call an ATP. That is a lot more security. All right. Great. And uh, yeah, Matt, you're in Texas. So whatever issues you're having with the Facebook, that's on you with your barn dominium that uh, you're building there. Uh, okay, Giles, I'll agree with that. And for people that are listening to the audio and not seeing it, um, I think we need to get away from the snobbiness. And uh, I'll be honest, it would be nice if we could do that, but I don't know that that's going to happen. We we have an industry that, Giles, you and I are still considered trunk slammers to them. So there's a little snobbiness right there. Mr. Miller in the house. How are you, sir? Hello, hello. Tell the diva hello for me. All right, let's see what else. Uh, there was another news story I was going to talk about. Oh, since we mentioned the Facebook, let's, you know, I just, I, did I link the story? It was actually a great little headline that the news people put in there that Mark Zuckerberg, Mr. Facebook, and again, you can tell I did not have this ready because so the title, oh, shoot, it just scrolled on me. This is going to be great for audio, and it disappeared. So let me go to my link here. So the story that came out earlier today, it's about three hours ago as we get into the show here, Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg just raised a giant middle finger to Wall Street. The company says its metaverse business will lose even more money next year. Now, this is a report that so far this year, it has lost more than $9 billion on Reality Labs, which is the segment of Facebook that does everything metaverse. So $4 billion of that was in the third quarter alone, so just ending September they lost $4 billion, and this is after they lost $10 billion in 2021, and there's obviously no signs of stopping because they think that they'll lose even more money next year. So I, I don't get this whole thing, and I'll be honest, I don't understand the metaverse. I don't do VR, virtual reality. I don't know that I want to. All I know is that Facebook is screwing up my algorithm when I do a post and Sometimes, you know, 80 people read it and other times eight people read it and I don't get it and I don't understand why. And the whole thing of, oh, you got to post every day or every hour or whatever. I, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. But I do know that Wall Street is not enjoying this and shares of Facebook fell 18 percent 
yesterday in after-hours trading to their lowest level since 2016. So those of you that are watching on the Facebook, we might be moving to a new platform if they keep losing money. And of course, if I keep talking bad about them, they may censor me. So we'll see how that goes. So that was uh, a story I saw earlier. Another story that I saw, and this one I think is interesting because, come on, come on, come on. Okay, all I'm seeing right now is Apple will increase the price of its streaming services of Apple Music and Apple TV Plus. Neither of them I do I subscribe, and I don't really care. And I told the wife, no, we are done subscribing to services. But, oh, it was, I'm clicking, I'm clicking, folks. Stay with me here. Well, it had something to do with the power cord. So apparently... Apple is going to change the power cord. Yes, here it goes. Apple confirms future iPhones will switch from the Lightning to USB-C. And this is after the European Union passed a law mandating that all new electronic devices that charge with a plug need to support USB-C. And of course, everybody looked to Apple and its Lightning-powered iPhones. And the answer now has been confirmed that Apple will make the switch in future versions. So that uh, is quite interesting news, which sucks because, well, maybe it doesn't suck. Maybe we'll be able to use universal cables uh, going forward. And hopefully we'll stop having that stupid issue of when you buy cables off of Amazon, you don't know whether it works or doesn't work because either one side doesn't have the little gold tingies or both sides don't have it, or you've got to make sure that you buy the white micro or Apple authorized cord. Like, so that's what I started doing. Instead of buying, you know, all the cheaper cords or the ones that claim to be Apple certified, I just went back to going to the Apple store and buying those cords at twice the price. And that was a joy. Now, what you could do is go cordless and I don't know. I don't even know if this is Apple. So I'm holding up in my hand for those that are watching the video. This was a uh, earbuds that were provided at the last ASCII conference. And this is the way to go. I think most people are. So they're, I think they're knockoffs. I mean, they have to be obviously fake. I don't know how much the Apple earbuds cost, but they look like the Apple earbuds. It is the white thingy. They feel kind of cheap. I won't say who the vendor was because I don't want them yelling at me and they may call me. Um, but I use the Bose SoundSport, which they are wireless, but they are connected so they can't fall out of the ear like these earbuds. My nephew loses them all the time, which is why I decided I don't want them. If if they fall out, you can use them a lot. But I know that that had nothing to do with the Apple and the Lightning cable, but that's where my head is tonight. So, all right. So let me click off that, click off that. And how are we doing in the chat there? <laughs> Giles can't type on an iPad. That's what you get for watching the show, sitting in front of the TV and fireplace at the, uh, the Giles compound there. By the way, I know I did not say this, Giles, but you have a fantastic, fantastic homestead there in Oklahoma City. And it is, it is a gorgeous backyard. The pool area, the outdoor kitchen, the lanai, 
the big open space in the yard for the kids to play ball, even though they're no longer young. Uh, folks, if you ever get a chance to visit Oklahoma City, uh, stop by the Giles compound there, the homestead. It is a gorgeous house. I took pictures but didn't post them out of respect. All right. So let's um, let's see. So, okay. So you want to know why I'm upset? I got a private message that I didn't want to respond to here. So here's what happened. And I'm going to start with, so I had to text my buddy, Mike Smith, because Mike Smith used to work for this company and this company, well, let me start from the beginning. So when we bought our house back in 2013, it came with, a propane tank that is used to um, supply gas to our inside stove. And that's it. Now, it's a big propane tank, and it sits out back behind our bedroom, literally outside the window. So it came with the house, and Amerigas comes, or at the time, they came once a quarter to top off the tank and... Everything was fine. And then they started pushing it back to once every six months. And now, granted, it's a big tank, and all we're doing is using for the stove. And it probably didn't need to be filled up more than once a year. And so for the last, whatever, nine years, everything has been great up until this year, when the guy showed up at the beginning of September and said, oh, there's something wrong with your tank. It's too corroded for me to refill, so we're going to have to come back and fix that or change out the tank. Okay, no big deal. So meanwhile, remember, the tank is right outside our bedroom. Could be leaking gas because of corrosion. So they never come back out. So a couple of weeks we call them and they say, oh, we're sorry. We'll be out there. Schedule an appointment for September 28th. Nobody shows. Call them back. Schedule for, I don't know, October or something. I think I was in Dallas when they were supposed to come back. No show. So I'm a little upset at this point. And so I called them again last week. And I asked to speak to a supervisor. So I get a supervisor and I explain the situation that, you know, you came out to refill the tank. It didn't get done. They were supposed to get back to us. We have a faulty tank. You're supposed to replace it, but nobody showed up. Nobody's called or anything. She's like, okay, well, let me get your account information again, which upsets me. It annoys me that they have to keep asking for that. So we give her that information and goes, okay, well, is your phone number such and such, 222? And I'm like, no, that's not our phone. It's never been our phone number. So for eight years, you've been delivering propane calling us, but all of a sudden now you have the wrong phone number. So we fixed that. And she's like, well, we can't schedule you until October 25th. Now this was on, I think it was last Monday. No, I called on the 12th. That's when it was. And yeah, so I called on the 12th. They were supposed to come the 14th, didn't show on the 14th. So that's the third appointment they missed. So I called again on the 17th. And they said, we can't get you an appointment until the 25th. And I'm like, are you sure? Because we got a leaky tank, supposedly, and you need to get that. Okay, well, maybe we can get you in on the 24th. Okay, 
Still not good enough. So we booked that appointment that she has. Well, if we can get you in faster, we'll call you back. So she actually called me back and said that we can get you in on the 17th. Okay, good. 17th comes, no call. 18th comes, no call. So we start calling again. And this time when I get through their customer service, I'm told that, no, I can't transfer you to the supervisor, but all the information that we do today will be in the notes and the supervisor will see them. And I'm like, that ain't good enough. I said, I don't know if the tank is bad. I don't know if it's leaking. I don't know what that means, but for over a month, you guys have said you were going to come out and take care of it and you haven't. And if I don't get service taken care of, you can consider this canceled. Okay, sir, hold on one minute, please. So I don't know, five minutes goes by and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I almost hang up and then she comes back, Mr. Marvin, are you still there? We're so sorry. I will take care of you. I'm like, okay, you said that 20 minutes ago. So to make a long story short, Amerigas sucks. Sorry, Mike. And they're supposed to come out tomorrow. And if they don't, we're going to be calling some other company called Forever Gas or something down the road. Their offices, they actually have a thing two streets down. And I was trying to be good. I mean, if, if you guys are listening to the podcast in order, we just had a great podcast yesterday. Um, episode number 451 with Lisa Shore, Shore Success, talking about personal brand and how people, you know, people react to, you know, how you look, act, and sound. And Amerigas certainly did not look, act, and sound like they were going to be my helpers. And those, uh, I'm really condensing the story, folks, because I don't want to say what I really want to say is that those sons of bitches are pissing me off. And that's just annoying. So that's why I'm trying to move on here. Um, But by the way, great podcast with Lisa Shore, folks. Uh, Shore Success, episode 451. Go back and listen to it if you have. If you haven't yet, uh, she will be back on again soon. We were supposed to meet in Orlando for the IT Nation conference, but I am so I'm getting so busy with projects that I just said I, I just can't uh, take off another two or three days and spend all that money up there when I should be down here taking care of my clients, personal brand, doing all that great stuff. Um, what is this? I remember as a kid, we played on those tanks like a swing set. <laughs> Who cared if we went boom? Yeah. As kids, it's one thing, but the wife isn't so keen on it. I don't think, I think she gets frustrated. She hasn't been sleeping (laughs) probably because she's worried about this tank possibly exploding in our bedroom behind us. So uh, that's one reason I'm trying to take care of this because, you know, as they say, happy wife. Uh. So for those of you listening by audio, I'm taking a sip of my, Sam Adams Summer Ale. All right. Next topic. Oh, here's another reason I was upset. So I made a mistake. And yes, you know that I will obviously admit anytime I make a mistake, if I'm wrong, I will say it. So a customer called and needed a battery backup replaced. Now, it wasn't a battery backup that we originally supplied. This was something that was done separate from us in a lab. It is a medical office, and they have, uh, I think it's called a pathology lab. I have no idea what they do, but I know that they have a ton of machines, 
and they had some big boy APC battery backups in there. Now, the biggest ones that I had sold previously were the APC 2200. And those things, they're big, they're heavy, but manageable. These that were in there were something like a 3000 model. And when I say these, I say that because there was an APC unit 3000, and then there was a battery extender pack right next to it. So so it was two big honking battery backups. And the customer said, can you take care of this for us? And I said, I really don't want to. I don't want to touch anything in the radiology lab or pathology lab or whatever lab it is because that's not computer-related. Oh, but we can't get in touch with the people. So bottom line is I said, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it. So I ordered two big old honking 3,000 APC battery backups. Now, I should probably say that it wasn't something where I could just go to my vendor and say, click, click, click on the website because I had no idea what these battery backups were. So I had to go research and find them because they were discontinued models. And I had to go into the APC site and find them and then have it click to the one where it says, hey, a newer model of this version is available. Click here. And I did. And I clicked. And we ordered. And we thought it would be just a couple of days. Well, no, these things were so heavy, they had to be delivered by freight. And it took a week to be delivered, and I had to get up. Okay, well, so it took a week to be delivered, and it was a two-person job because these things were heavy. I didn't know how heavy it was until I came back, but before I came back, I had to get the old battery backups out, and that's when I realized I ain't picking those things up because those things were, they were probably as heavy as me. And if you ask me how heavy I am, shut up. So I called our recycling company, got them to go pick them up, and the client was like, you know, it took them like an hour to get those things out of here. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to hear that. Did you pay the bill? So the FedEx freight people drop off the battery backups and are leave them for me to go install. So I go there, and I'm thinking like the 2200s, Yep, I can move those. It's you know, I'll sweat a little, but I'll move them. So I take the one package, take it out, hook it up, and it's it's heavy. It's what I expected. And then I go to do the battery extender and it is twice as heavy. So it's it's let me tell you how heavy it is. It is so heavy that if I don't put my full weight to hold it up, it falls over and breaks the floor. It is heavy. So I'm going through and unpacking and putting on the little feet clamp thingies so that it stands upright because these were originally rack model units that are also also convertible to tower. So you screw in the little feet thingy to make them stand up. But if you don't hold it up right, you know, I should have had a second person. Let me just say that. So I get them hooked up. Then I decide to look at the power cord to go plug it in. And what do you know? It's a freaking 220 appliance plug. The previous ones were not. They were just regular old 110 plugs. You plug into a regular old outlet, and that's not what I ordered. So I was not happy. Although the client took it a lot better than I thought they would because instead of yelling at me, the first thing that they said was, well, I guess we just need to call an electrician, don't we? 
And I said, that would be nice. So they called their electrician and their electrician wasn't available for like two weeks. So they turned to me and say, Marvin, do you have an electrician we can use? And I say, yes, I do. So we call our electrician and I met with them today to kind of look at the whole situation to see what could be done because after opening up their electrical panel, it's full. And when I say full, meaning every place where there is a circuit, a circuit is there. And then when you take off the panel, a wire is there and they have to do tracing to stuff to see if wires are actually in use because I don't think that they're all in use because the client has done construction and removed walls and moved walls. And I think there are wires there that are not in use, but it's going to cost them $950 to find an available circuit or replace the existing circuit. And they said, okay, we'll let you know. And I'm like, all right. Meanwhile, those battery backups are still sitting there, not plugged in. And I hope they figure this out soon because we are not returning them. So that was one of the situations that happened. Now, the whole thing didn't happen today. I met with the electrician today. That actually happened earlier this week. But it's all part of the same week because I had to meet with the electrician today. Um, I got this email today, and I printed this out so I could read it. Dear Marvin, please respond. I have shared this multiple times, and now I'm just asking you to tell me we can disregard this. And you have – oh, no, that was something else. Oh, no, it's part of the same email. This is this – is, I was frustrated because I didn't know what this person was saying. So this was actually a response email from – a previous thing that we did like two months ago where they had to certify the firewall with world pay WAF security requirements for its bless platform. All I know is that they are, they're doing PCI stuff and because they have one credit card machine, we have to verify the PCI compliance with their company that, you know, the external IP, you know, is scanned and, maintained and updated and that the credit card terminal is on a separate network than the rest of the, you know, VLAN and all that stuff. Okay. All good. So the response for the email today, that was the subject of the email was that old updates for the world pay. But he starts off by saying, I guess you got this sorted out. Please respond. I have shared this multiple times and now I'm just asking you to tell me we can disregard this. And you have our our switch and firewall configured to allow this change, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes right into a list. And I mean, this this is a list. This is like an outline numbered list. Number one. I must get started with the transition to a NAS and virtual files file server. We have very simple needs with regards to fuel server. And yes, it says fuel F U E L. It does little to nothing. No hard task. I'll explain in a minute. Number two, we have it to maintain a network and connect the office margined. And it is largely used to create a shared place for all important files to be routinely backed up. Number three, we were presented with this exact idea by a person at Dell who consulted with us at least 15 plus years ago when we had a dilemma of both a in-store files server and a cabinet with a multitude of servers, including web and SQL. Four, connectivity between our store and the cloud back then was not good enough, and we dropped the idea. (laughs) That's number four. 
Five, now connectivity is far faster but irrelevant. Six, we get a faster intelligent set itch and a NAS and virtual file server, and we will have far less trouble with licensing. Seven, please plan to propose and let's get this going. So that email came in today from a comment that I made to him like six months ago that they had an HP server that was running 2008 small business server and he needed to get it replaced. And we never had a conversation until this email today. So now I've got to set up a meeting to, first of all, translate all the stuff he wrote there because I don't know how he misconstrued all of that when the only thing that I can remember saying to this gentleman is, well, you probably don't need a full-blown server. There's only seven of you. Two of the machines are actually cash registers that go to the cloud. And there are four machines in back that are dedicated as graphics machines for them to create. I can't tell you what the business is, but basically they create advertisements and posters and websites for parties and that sort of stuff. And then three of them are admin stations and all they do is word Excel and QuickBooks. So I probably did say, yeah, we can put a Synology server in there and throw QuickBooks on a virtual server. But uh, I have no idea where websites and SQL and Dell and all of that came from. Um, Here was another email today. Getting a lot of complaints about saving documents and email records to TM, which is Time Matters. Did the server restart last night and or did something happen? So I respond that no, the SQL server had not restarted last night. In fact, it hasn't been restarted for a month. And no, I've not seen any alerts on the server, but I see that you're logged in. And so the response is, I've been logged in for days. I have to reset the Time Matters Juris link on matters pretty frequently, so I leave it open. Can we restart it tonight? So that was an email today. Here was a ticket for me today. Hey, Marvin, our email isn't working. Can you please fix? So when I call in to find out what is going on, their email is working just fine. But what wasn't working was another office, which is another business, and this is going to be hard to explain, but the other business is using their email to send out transcripts. It's a whole story. So I'm like, well, that's another business. So I can't help them. Their IT person should help them. So I get an email a few hours later. Yeah, we got a new computer and we can't set up the email account on the new computer. Can you help us with that? So that was my ticket today. You know what? I'm not going to even read this other stuff. Head hurts. So let's see. I think Jason Miller put this in when I started talking about the APC units. Been there, done that. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> Did Marv say the NAS has an itch? Um, yeah, that was, what line number was that? Um, no, number six. We get a faster, intelligent set itch and a NAS. So I'm assuming he misspelled switch, but it is the word set and the word itch, we get a faster intelligent set itch and a NAS and virtual file server, and we will have far less trouble with licensing. Don't know where that came from either. 
So let's see. We move people like that to O3C5 Business Premium for Azure AD and Microsoft Endpoint Manager. Yeah, I've got to uh, – first got to get them to consider switching because right now, as you heard, it was a 2008 small business server. So guess where their mail is? Yep, so we got to get them to the to the cloud and uh, get them used to a monthly charge from Microsoft. I would love to switch them to uh, the full uh, 365 infrastructure. In fact, I think Miss Giles would like for me to do that as well. Sorry, hang on a second. I have a I have an itch in my throat. <coughs> yeah, I drink about once a month. That's the way that goes. Ah. Uh, Dell would be more than happy to take your client from you. Yes, they would. And itchy naz is never a good thing. That is true. <laughs> Very true. All right. Uh, let's see if there's anything else we need. To, I think we're good. Uh, that was a great show, folks. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks for listening to me rant. I don't do this very often. I wonder how this will present itself as a podcast. We'll see if people respond. I know what we should do. Uh, I will tell you that as we finish October and go into November, I should let you know we've got some great shows planned, uh, some of the shows coming up. So I had I had an audio interview with Dan Tomaszewski from Kaseya uh, that I will be releasing here. Uh, I think it's early next week, and then Dan will be on next week's live show. So all things, if you have questions or comments about Kaseya, now what we don't talk about, what we did not talk about on the audio podcast was Kaseya buying Datto and the three-year contract and all that stuff. Uh, Dan uh, was not the person for me to ask that stuff to, but uh, we'll see on the live show if maybe there's some stuff that's come up there. Um, Let's see. I've got a podcast, Christina Jones. Uh, you probably don't know that name unless you're in ASCII. Christina Jones is a relatively new ASCII member who worked for a computer repair store in North Carolina and a little over 18 months ago had the great circumstance. Um, I was going to say fortunate something, but I got lost. That beer's getting to me. Her boss called her up one evening at something like 8 o'clock and said to her, remember how we talked about me walking away from the business someday? Well, tomorrow morning the business is yours. So she basically got herself a computer business overnight and is now doing her best to turn that into a full-fledged MSC. So uh, next week we're going to talk to Christina and get the whole story. So I think that'll be a good podcast for you guys to listen to. I have a couple of new people coming on. I'm not going to say all of their names right now. I'll it's, it's a couple of weeks out, but a couple of new podcasts that we're doing also this year, last year's black Friday preview was a success. It was such a success that we're going to do it again. And when I say black Friday preview, basically it'll be the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We're going to come on here and basically promote the Amazon link for the IT Business Podcast. I know that I don't do it that often, but you know it's something that I should be doing. I don't really ask for you guys to give a ton to the show. I don't have a community like some of the others. I don't have a membership for stuff. 
I do have some patrons that I appreciate and thank very much. It allows for me to pay the monthly bills for the hosting and my equipment and the website and stuff like that. Of course, it'd be nice to get more, but I don't push it. The other thing that I ask you to do is if you purchase stuff from Amazon, use the link that is provided to you at the IT Business Podcast website. You can save that link and make that your Amazon homepage. It doesn't look any different to you, but when you use that link, any purchases that you make, uh, commission comes back to the show, and that helps uh, as well. So heading into Black Friday and into the holiday season, I will be pushing that a little bit more, and there is some incentive for me. Uh, Amazon is giving some good commissions during the holiday season, so I want to do that. But I also want to just say the holiday, not the holiday show, that'll be in December. But in November, the Black Friday preview, uh, we are looking to expand that. And last year was just myself and Eric Pinto. We actually have a few more people. When I say a few, there might be three, four, five people that come on to the show and think of it as your IT business home shopping network that day. We're going to have a ton of products. We're going to talk about some of the best tech products that you can use either in your business or at your home. I don't know how long the show is going to be, but it is not going to be your typical show. First of all, it is not going to be at the 8 p.m. slot that evening. It is going to be during the day because I know that that is a day that a lot of you do not work. Some of you take off early. Uh, a lot of you do like I do. We may work a half a day. Uh, so we're toying with doing it, you know, the first part of the day, maybe at lunchtime or something and going through the show. It might be two hours. It might be three hours. I just don't know. But it is going to be a Black Friday preview special that I think you're not going to want to miss. You might uh, just put this on your calendar. So we're going to obviously promote it once I nail down who the people are going to be. And the time slots that they're going to be, of course, I will let you know, but I encourage you to watch that show. And that is going to be kind of like our telethon for the year that you can support the IT Business Podcast. Uh, we'll have Amazon links for all of the products if you want to purchase them. Of course, we'll have the the universal link for the show that you can go to Amazon, make purchases, and they will support the show. That is going to be the big thing that we are doing at the end of November, the Black Friday preview. And of course, anything that you need to know about the show, head over to itbusinesspodcast.com. Uh, I also, I got an email from somebody who was recommended to the show from a Podnuts Pro link that was over a year ago, and they thought that the show had pod faded. So I think I need to do some work in letting people know that, no, the show did not pod fade. It was rebranded to the IT Business Podcast, and I was not able to tank what's called the RSS feed. So the actual location on the internet of where the show is, the Podnuts Pro link is still at Podnuts Network. No issues with Door and the Podnuts group. Still talk to them. Still you know, on good terms. Don't think that anything happened, but... When I decided to move the show away and make it the IT Business Podcast, I had to create a new link, a new RSS feed. I did bring some of the Podnuts Pro shows over, so 
If you go back and look at some of the early episodes on the IT Business Podcast, they still say Podnuts Pro. If you go to podnutspro.com, it will switch you over to itbusinesspodcast.com. But obviously, I think I need to do a better job of letting people know that the IT Business Podcast, if you cannot find the show, when you go to your you know, podcatcher like Spotify or Google or Amazon or uh, Crankcast or whatever, go to itbusinesspodcast.com. On there, you're going to see all of the links to all of the places where you can get the show uh, on your phone or your tablet in your car. So if you go to that website first, you'll be able to click on Apple. You'll be able to click on Google. It will take you to the page. We are active on all of these pages. Act, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Castro, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, CastBox, Pod Chaser, um, and then of course the RSS feed itself or the YouTube. So all of those places are where you can click subscribe or follow whatever term they're using right now. And you can always be notified when a new show gets released. Remember, the IT Business Podcast is not just the live show that I do on Wednesdays. We are releasing audio shows at different times during the week. No, I can't make them a regular basis because we're just not there yet. Maybe as the show grows, we will. If uh, you guys continue to support me like you've done tonight uh, in this past year, uh, it, it, it could actually happen. I, I, I do need to probably say this, and I was, you know, I keep knocking myself all the time that I don't say thank you enough for the support that you've given me in, in keeping this show going. Um, I know the beginning of the year was rough. Uh, with the way that it started out, uh, with the family issues and stuff, I had to take some time off. So that that was not a good time for that to happen. But is it ever a good time for a family member to get a cancer diagnosis? No. But we did it. We came back. We're doing all these things. So I, I plan on having some great shows. We plan on – I do have some other ideas. We still talked about uh, the book club and we talked about some other things that uh, we'll see how they get going. But uh, – Got to take care of the family, got to take care of my business, and you know the podcast will be sometime after that. But um, that's it. I think we're we're through for tonight. Thank you all for hanging out and contributing to the show. Thank you for listening to me rant. Uh, as I mentioned, we will be back next week with Dan Tomaszewski from Kaseya, and then we'll have an audio podcast uh, from Christina Jones released, and then a couple of other very special shows with some new guests and friends of the show. So that's it. Thank you for hanging out. And let me go back to my thing here. There will obviously be no post show because it's just me. <coughs> yeah, that happened. Um, okay, we are ready as a motorcycle streams by. Thanks for watching, Shotes. Thanks for downloading, subscribing, and listening. We'll be back soon. And until then, holla.